Welcome back to the Rebuildable Podcast. I'm Matt Gentile alongside Drew Stevens. Drew, how's it been, man? It's been a while. I miss you, man. I miss you, man. I really have. I've been looking forward to, to meeting with you again and talking some Bulls basketball with the season now upon us. Where have you been? Okay, so let me just explain this. Because like, Bulls Nation, you, you don't know this because I haven't really disclosed it. In July, I got engaged. So I'm in the midst right now of wedding planning. Um, also, as I've been telling Drew, work has also been crazy. My team has grown like crazy. I've been traveling around the country doing traveling road shows. So the last month's been a shit show. And, and Drew kind of knew that was coming, but I'm happy to be back. We're going to have a schedule in place and I'll go over that in a little bit. But I wish somebody told me that there was a lot of minutiae. And small details when it comes to wedding planning. Nobody ever told me that. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I haven't gone through that process once myself. Uh, there's a lot, a lot to kind of make your way through for sure, man. And it, it can it can be a bit much at times if you're if you're not surrounded by the people that can support you or your loved one or your your bride to be or your 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 groom to be, whatever the case may be. Um, it's important. It's kind of a test. I feel like just right off the bat <laughs> of how much you guys love each other. I'll tell you what, she is really good and she's very detail oriented, which is great. Um, but like, yeah, I just, I, I didn't know there were some of these things. So it's been, it's definitely been a, a an experience, but just to kind of get back to the, the podcast, you know, season's coming up. We're here for the, the season preview for 2023 today. And I just wanted to let people know, Drew, about our, our upcoming schedule here. So for the most part, Drew and I are going to be recording here on Tuesday evenings and dropping episodes by Wednesday morning on most occasions. Now, of course, the team's schedule can kind of dictate changing that up because you could have a West Coast trip that interferes with stuff for, you know, if there's a, a game in progress when we need to record that might change things occasionally, but for the most part, we're going to stick to this cadence and we will be here on a weekly basis to provide some, uh, some good bulls content for you. Talk about what's been going on with the team over the last week and, you know, discuss any breaking news that happens. There might be some changes occasionally. Like I mentioned, I'm in the midst of a planning a wedding and getting married in January. So there could be some changes when we get around there and, and there might be a bit of a break, but we'll keep you posted when those things happen. And you can still follow us on all the major streaming services, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be back on a regular cadence and, you know, getting back to talking about the Bulls because it's been an interesting preseason and there's a lot to talk about. And we're going to have a guest join us to get into some of this about Patrick Williams and Nikola Vucevic and Zach Levine, the bench and so much more. I am pleased to welcome back to the Rebuildable Podcast a guy that's been on the most times of anybody in the history of the podcast, Salim Surtawal, the co-host of Bulls Gold. Salim, welcome to the podcast. How have you been? Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me on, Drew. Uh, also a pleasure to talk to you guys. How are you guys doing today? Doing pretty good, man. Fighting a little bit of a headache, but uh, it's been a little while since Matt and I have gotten on the mic, and uh, this is my first time actually speaking with you Kind of face to face. We've exchanged yeah. a lot of Twitter bars back and forth, man. So it's a pleasure to, to have you in, in our company tonight for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely a pleasure meeting you. You're definitely one of the nicest people on Twitter, and Twitter is a terrible place. So it's, it's refreshing to interact with someone so nice and 
always so like positive. <laughs> likewise, man. Likewise. I'm I'm a, I'm a little I, I I crack jokes and I'm a little snarky sometimes, but Drew's always nice no matter what. So like I've never seen Drew like be upset or be like say anything like mean or like sarcasm esque. Just he's just always a really nice guy. I was I always tweet sides peace be with you in the morning. He's like man, that's just that's awesome. <laughs> it's been been many a time where I've deleted some tweets, man. But you know it's it's, it's for the most part. I, I try to just send out energy that I want coming back in return of myself. So, you know, right I just have to be honest with you, Drew, when you tweet out peace be with you, there's the Roman Catholic in me just wants to say, and also with you or in with your spirit. <laughs> like I want to tweet that back to you sometimes. Yeah. You're not the first person to say that. I, I wish you would, man. I wish you would. I, I would love to get it. I would love to All get right. it. <laughs> um, but let's, let's jump into some hoops, man. We got the news uh, today, Salim, that the controversy for now is over. Patrick Williams is, is going to be starting this season opening tonight against Miami, man. Um, what are your expectations for him this season? You know, it's funny. So with the starting and benching stuff, like first that, I kind of wanted him to come off the bench. Um, like, I, I know in the long run, Pat needs to be become a starting four for us. I get that. But as of now, I like the idea of like, you know, separating him from DeMar and Zach, kind of giving him opportunities more on offense. You know, there's always that argument. Well, there's nothing stopping Pat from being more aggressive. And but I mean, to a degree, there's always going to be that roadblock where he's not going to get as many opportunities to do get on-ball creation opportunities and things like that and just in general be looked for in 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 the pecking order as far as you know when when Vooch, Demar, and Zach are on the court, you know, it's not gonna be an opportunity as much for Zach to get involved as much in in different sets and, and actions and things like that. Or Pat, I should say that I don't know if I just said Zach. Uh, Pat to get more involved in that regard. So I like the idea of him coming off the bench playing with uh, Goran playing with. I didn't mind him playing with Vooch because Vooch is a better hub as far as a ball movement goes and things like that. So it made sense to kind of have Pat come off the bench, but he's starting. It's fine. I'm like, I'm not upset about that. Like, that's good that he's starting. I'm hoping that he can come in and just take a hold of that starting spot and just kind of be. Um, I know I don't, I don't expect him to play like Javante because Javante, the way he plays is just different, right? It's He's he's played like that for such a long time since he's entered the league. Like he oversees, he knew there's the way there's a certain way he needs to play, and that's just the way Javante plays. It's not something you just are every player plays like that, right? Right. It's every player is different. But there's things that Zach can do, or Zach can see Pat can do, uh, stay on the floor, be active, get on the you know, get on the boards. Um you know, don't shy away from taking shots out there. I'm sure there'll be some actions run for him um, to be able to get involved a little bit and just, you know, be aggressive in those situations. And ideally just in a baseline sense, be a good, solid 3 and D player. Uh, I know that that's kind of like a cliche saying, like, I don't, I don't need to see gaudy numbers from Pat this season. Nothing like that. If he can, if he can really be that hone in on his defensive uh, rotations 
really be that uh, backside defender for Vooch consistently. Uh, so that way, we, you know, we don't have to worry about Vooch getting too low on the drop. He, Vooch can get higher up in, in, on, on the pick and roll. Things like that, you know, and obviously the three-point shot. Like, if he can hit that at a decent volume, three, like like 38% or so, those are the things. Like, I'm not looking for him to put up massive numbers. Uh, that, that's basically what I'm looking at. I was about to ask you statistically, I, I know you said numbers aren't that important to you, but statistically, what would you define as a successful season? Like yeah. 11, 12 points a game, six, seven rebounds. Like I said, that's about, if you can give us that, that's solid. Like that's, a, and it's more consistency. Like it's qual- it's about quality for Pat, not just quantity. Like I said, if he's doing that and then the defense is just, there consistently throughout the game every night. Um, I think, like, I think that's a major step forward for him. And then from there, we can, you know, say, okay, well, what else can he improve on? And then obviously, maybe he gets a little bit more on-ball opportunities if he's playing with a second unit. And I did like Billy did mention so today. If you guys saw Will Gottlieb, I tweeted the video interview that they asked Billy about, you know, the patch starting bench, whatever, blah blah blah. And he's like, well, you know, like I've always said, it's not about starting or coming off the bench for me. It's about um, like the rotations and lineups and what he's going to do. And and Billy did mention he might consider staggering Pat with the second unit. And I, I like that. Like I said, I like the idea of Pat getting more minutes away from DeMar and Zach and just trying to, I think that'll be good for his development to try to like those little different things that, Pat wants to do and develop and the Bulls want him to develop. And I think it's helpful to have opportunities away from DeMar and Zach so he can kind of get those on-ball opportunities as well. I, I, I know I make Drew roll his eyes because I say this I think, <laughs> on almost every podcast that doesn't matter who starts a game, it's who finishes a game. Right. In most cases. And it is. And, and like, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. Obviously closing lineups, ideally Pat is going to be that guy and, if he plays consistently throughout the game, he will be. But yeah, if it, it is about like the who ends the game and who, and it's about the lineup qualities and things like that for sure. So if we if we see that progression in Pat this season, it's not going to matter if he started or not. Obviously, we would prefer that now that he's gotten the starting spot, it doesn't get like a, taken away from him, like a demotion in a sense. Um, but yeah. It, We'll see how it progresses on, but I do like the fact that Billy did mention he's going to do that where he's staggering uh, Pat's minutes with the second unit and Javante with starters. Um, and and that's what it seems like the rotation-wise it's going to work out. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Salim. Um, I actually was kind of surprised that Donovan went with Williams just because he was kind of setting it up and almost like he was – he was hedging the situation, Donovan that is saying that, you know, it's going to be a fluid situation and it's going to depend on matchups or how, how guys are playing um, to the point where certain players kind of are who they are. I'm not saying Pat is in any shape, form or fashion, who he's going to be years from now because he's only 88 regular season games into his career. But some guys can cut, can move out the ball and be effective. Yeah. Need the ball in their hand. Right. Does does it? I don't want to say bother you, but are, are you concerned at all that Pat just 
he seems to be more of the guy that needs the ball in his hands and how that kind of clashes with, with the guys that are on his team right now starting ahead of him. Or well, just that, taking right, right now it doesn't concern me because it's a process for him, right? Like he needs to learn and get comfortable, and that's what we talk about. It's not something – like Javante, that's how he's always played. So he knows, cutting. These are the things that I got to be – my, I got to be running up and down the court, you know, 100%, 100 miles an hour. This is what got me in the league. This is my bread and butter. Obviously, we've seen John looks like he's worked on this three ball. We'll see if that translates into the regular season. But it's all it's all about process and, and slowly developing that. He Pat does look more assertive when he has the ball in his hand as an offensive player right now. Uh, the off-ball stuff, that comes with time, right? Now, if you're telling me in five years he's still not got an off-ball game, then you're like, okay, man, what's going on? Like, why has he been able to develop, get, figure out the certain little things here and there? Um, but, you know, it's, it is. It's a process. Like, it's a, like, that's why I think it makes sense to I sound like a broken record here. That's why I think it makes sense to have him, you know, separate his minutes with Zach and Demar because he, is, he does look more comfortable when he has the ball in his hands and more assertive um, and trying to, you know, get initiate offense and even try to be a playmaker, if you will. Um, and even, even getting a little more, you know, I'll say in, in, in certain respects, I think Billy getting him in a little more involved with as like a, a as a screen setter. And, and then, you know, at that point, cutting to the basket at, at, on the roll. Um, like we've seen that a couple of times he did that with, um, with uh, Caruso. Uh, coming over or with um, with Vooch if he's coming over descending the screen like a, like in that sense and and then cutting to the basket he had a couple of like dunks doing that right um, the last game last game was the last game of the season or the game before last um, when when Zach was out I think it was last game of the season right um, so yeah so those those little things can it's all about process. It's all about, you know, we, we have to have a little patience. We just do. It's like we're AK and them, they didn't keep Pat because they're expecting him to right away be a certain player, right? They're they're expect they think he's going to be a really good player, and that's what they're projecting him to be and down the line, and that's why they want to keep him. And that development process is just you know, you know, fans are are impatient sometimes, and we all can be impatient sometimes with certain players. We we tend to want want it now as opposed to waiting for that development to happen. And as long as he's making little strides by little by little, I think I think it'll be fine. I think we'll see the progression as the season goes on. But we have to we have to have a little patience with that too and let that part of his game develop where he's doing a little cutting and things like that too. You know, you mentioned about Billy Donovan saying about staggering lineups and getting, you know, Pat involved with more of that, that second unit. And, you know, you, you kind of think about it last year, DeMar DeRozan was the guy you were seeing a lot with that second unit. And it was kind of refreshing in in preseason action to kind of see where, you know, usually you don't stagger minutes in preseason. You're kind of doing large blocks, right? Starters mm-hmm. bench, starters bench. And I think it was nice to kind of see him with that second unit, because my guess is when we get to the regular season, it's probably Patrick Williams filling that role that DeMar DeRozan was doing a lot of last season. I think that could save DeMar down the stretch and get Patrick Williams with a unit where he might be a little more ball dominant. 
Right. Yeah. So I, I think in general, like with the offense, what they're doing is they're getting away with more isolation stuff in general. So like you're seeing a lot more action being run. Um, you're seeing a lot more, like, especially when you have, when you're talking about the bench unit, you're seeing a lot more like the three, four guard lineups where, you know, once the rebound gets off the, off the defensive stop, they just immediately pushing the ball and if they can't get a quick score they're you know, in the half court set they're, they're running, you know, running a set play. Um, even with the Mar Vooch and, and Zach, like you're seeing them being involved together more so. Um, so I know I know last season when they had DeMar going with the second, there was a lot of like it was just DeMar in the ball and kind of getting to his spots and kind of everyone spreading out. It was a more of an isolated, like more of an ISO DeMar type of offense. So I, I think maybe that's why maybe Billy's changing that up too. It's he'll you, you, that's why you'll probably see Pat more in that second unit as opposed to DeMar and getting those, maybe DeMar has made it down to your point. And then just, like I said, having a more of a free-flowing offense as opposed to just relying on one type of way to score. Speaking of <laughs> not relying on one type of way to score, man, Nikola Vucevic made it a point during the uh, <laughs> – during media day that said to tell everybody that he is going to try to get his back to the basket more often and, and not live out by the three point line quite as much. Billy Donovan has spoken about that as well and what that can mean for the Bulls offense. Um, Vooch played really well in the preseason, played a lot more minutes in that, that final uh, tune up against, uh, against the Milwaukee Bucks than I think I would have expected him to. But he hit 50% of his threes. I think he shot three and a half a game. I know preseason is preseason, but I think, you know, if there's anything you can take away is how players are kind of shooting and where their shots are coming from and how much success they're having, especially when we look at how poorly he did um, last preseason. He was down to like 0.6% shooting from behind the arc last year um, during the preseason. So to me, it seems like he's he's going to be on a revenge tour this season. He's, got a, he's in the contract year. Are you seeing the same things right now? Yeah, I mean, I not only revenge, I just think he seems more carefree out there. Like, I I had made a point to note last season that I, I it was certainly my subjective like analysis on it, but I felt like as the season wore on, mentally it kind of drained on him. Like he was missing the shots, I see all the outside noise of you know fans being mad. Probably I'm sure you saw social media, all the fans like absolutely trashing him hating on him and it started digging in right that he just couldn't shake it obviously he saw his teammate support but after a while you know you are human um all that stuff can kind of affect you um and then just the way he was also being used in the offense he was being used as a floor spacer that's not who he is like if you watch his Orlando days um it's not to say that and, and when we talk about post play it's not to say that you know he was just giving the ball in the post and everyone just stood around it's about having the weight, like what we're seeing in the offense, is just getting him touches uh, off of off of different actions and stuff like that. Like you're seeing, like him set a screen for Zach. Zach comes over, and you know gets the ball from Demar. And then there's a dribble handoff between Zach and Demar again, and Vooch is coming back up to set an inverted screen for Demar. Uh, they're doing like a quick inverted pick and roll type of thing. 
or not inverted pick and roll, sorry, just a regular pick and roll. Um, but like you just kind of see that involved, and then you, you, you give him the ball in his hands, and it's not necessarily him going to make the play with his back to the basket, you know, quick hit to back to the basket. So either if he has an advantage, he can kind of do his little footwork that he does and get a quick shot up, or find a teammate that you know might be open for at, at behind the arc or kind of to get. It just kind of like I said, yeah, getting him touches, getting him involved, and that's what we're seeing, and I think that's helped him a lot. Um, and if they continue to do that, I think you're going to see that consistency from, from Vooch. He's going to be there every night. And obviously, the other aspect that Vooch gets criticized a lot for is his defense. And that's always been like, a, you know, a misunderstanding of the scheme, what the Bulls are trying to do. And I've always pretty much said, like, look, Vooch is not going to – he's going to do his job but he's not going to clean up your mistakes. He's just not good enough to do that, right? He can do his – he can hit his rotations. He'll do his job, but everyone around him needs to do their job. Otherwise, it's not going to work out. He's not Bam. He's not Rudy Gobert, right, where uh, these guys will – can rotate onto guards, and if if they get, if, if someone gets beat, they can, you know, not only rotate and help out there, but then run back and uh, defend the paint, like, Wendell used to be able to do that. He moved his feet really well. He was quick enough to do that, get on the perimeter, defend on the perimeter, then get back into the paint and defend the rim. That's not Vooch. <laughs> you know, we, we can't expect that from him. Um, so, like, all that all that stuff, that criticism that he got, I think it was, like, unfair. And, like I said, it, it affected him mentally. But now we're seeing, like I said, this a free-flowing offensive game where the Bulls are trying to run. and with 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 that involving him more, he's just getting more comfortable in there and, and being able to you know play his game really. I think what bothers me is when you hear so much criticism about Vooch and it, it goes to three point shooting and I think it also goes to when people look at the point totals and it, to me it's for him in this redemption season, I care about efficiency above anything else. And I think right. there's kind of signs like like Drew was saying when you look at some of the preseason action compared to last preseason where those efficiency totals can go up. Um, But what do you think is, is a good season for somebody like Vooch? Yeah. I mean, so uh, like, like numbers wise, can you give, he's going to rebound well. He's, he's one, he's one of the best defensive rebounder rebounding base in the league. So he'll probably give you 10, 11 boards a game. Can he give you solid 18 efficient points? shoot about 36% from three. Um, and, and the three-point shot, too, I think it's about rhythm, right? Like, again, getting those touches, getting an involvement everywhere else. So, And then when he has that open three, that's when he knocks it down because he's in rhythm. It's not just him standing around all game and then expecting him to hit these threes when it gets kicked out to him. Like, those type of things, like I said. And then, like, as a playmaker, as a hub in the offense, like, if he's probably going to give you, like, three assists a game, probably three, four assists a game doing that, too. So those are the type of things you look at. And, and I think if Vooch does that, and it's seeming like he will, I think the Bulls will be fine. It'll be a, it'll be a successful season for Vooch. And, and in turn, that will result to Bulls winning games because you're getting that consistency. Another guy who figures to factor in very heavily into how much success the Bulls have this season, if not, you know, all the chips or most of the chips 
at his feet or at a, on his table is Zach Levine. Right. Um, he's got news that he's going to be questionable, uh, or that you listed as questionable with injury management being the tag that he's been given for the game tomorrow night. Um, I'm not sure if that's the Bulls just kind of throwing it out there and, and letting us know that they're going to, they really are going to be cautious with him this season and not try to load them up too much, especially with the schedule that they have, the amount of back-to-backs they're going to be playing. But um, he's a new $215 million man. Um, I know that it may be unrealistic to expect his game to change too much, um, especially st- uh, statistically. But what do you think he can improve upon? Where do you see his season going this year? So, like I said, if he gets a healthy all season, I think that's a big, um, like, positive there. That alone will make a big difference because I felt like he was playing at all-NBA level, even with the hand injury that he had, thumb injury, I should say, on the off offhand, uh, non-shooting hand. He was still playing at all-NBA level, and him and DeMar were, like, neck and neck as far as the, being the guy on this team. Like, you looked at their – baseline numbers and then you look at their clutch numbers they're pretty much identical um so i i feel like if he could just stay healthy in that regard so he'll be fine uh you like to see him maybe you know get a little bit more higher volume on his threes i think maybe the the three-point shot kind of started you know he started shooting less because of his knee in the second half of that season if he can kind of take like, because obviously the Bulls need need to up their volume on three point shooting. Um, obviously, you have to hit the shots. You can't just you know chuck up threes. But um, if Zach, you know Zach being your best three point shooter, if you can take like eight threes a game, I think that's ideal. Um, continue, continue. You'll you'll see the the efficiency will always be there. Even you know even with the the season like he had last year, it's funny. Like you look at his numbers and. If, if you didn't know who Zach was, you would think, hey, man, that guy had a really good season. but And he did, but it's crazy to look at, look at that. It's like, man, this guy was banged up all year, and he still essentially had a had had a stat line where um, I, I, don't, I, I had I had said on, on Bulls Gold once, so like, when you factor in points, like 20 points a game, four rebounds, four assists, shooting 40, like 8% from the field, um, 85% from the free throw line, uh, I think 38% from three and uh, 60% true shooting percentage. Him and KD were the only ones to do that. Like, that's insane for a guy that was essentially with a with a knee injury that he needed to get surgery on. He still put up a really, like, good, really put up really good numbers. So imagine his efficiency even getting even better. Like, could he become a 50 uh 50 40 90 guy that's in the that's a possibility i mean those free throws those free throws will be like challenging because there's sometimes zach misses these free throws like dude what the hell happened man you're such a good free throw shooter. how'd you miss that uh but he he has that in, in his capability to be that guy a 50 40 90 guy um and like i said maybe if he can improve on cleaning up some of the turnovers that he gets he did improve last season, but I do think that was a little bit help where he got a little bit more off-ball duty because DeMar was handling the ball more so than he was. Um, just maybe take some, you know, ball handling techniques away from DeMar, the way DeMar uses his body to shield off defenders. 
Zach sometimes doesn't do that. He's very careless. He like dribbles into defenders sometimes. Um, so those little things clean up. Like you don't expect a big jump anymore, but if he can clean up those little like you know small details in his game, all of a sudden then you see that's like the you know constant improvement that you see from year on on. Those are the type of improvements that are essentially what stars do, right? Uh, every year they make these little incremental cleanups to their game until they're, you know, 32, 33, 34 years old. And that's when you start maybe see a decline at that point. But those like just kind of becoming, you know, more efficient and more like cleaning up like those little details like that. So those are that, like, that's what I'm seeing if Zach can do this season, kind of just clean up the little details in his game. And this again, be that monster efficient elite scorer. Yeah, I feel like, like you said, his his efficiency, his scoring, as long as his knee stays on point, I think that's going to be there. I also understand that he didn't play much five-on-five five this summer as he was recuperating from the uh, right. knee But I really want to see Zach kind of take more ownership on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I know- that too. I, I, I didn't mean to ignore the defensive side. He, if he can, 100%, you're right. He, I think he's made strides there. Um. But sometimes you see him ball watching a little bit uh, when he's and then and then loses his guy on the back door or just uh, in general loses his guy who trails off to the side who's, that ends up being wide open for a three. But no, go ahead. Yeah, you're hundred percent right. That's something he can definitely focus more and hone in on and just be a solid team defender. Yeah, and I think you know that kind of extends to the rest of the team as well, especially with Lonzo being out um, because it was a certain. Um, pull that everybody had when Lonzo was on the court, just defensively, like the energy just seemed to be there. And I'm sure winning had a lot to do with that, but um, I just want to see more of that from Zach, even maybe just taking on the challenge of guarding some of these, these wings, some of these opposing wings. I know he's not the best um, guard in terms of getting around screens. I know sometimes he, he can, he can lose himself in rotations, but I just need to see him be more on point. You know, a lot of the individual accolades he talks about wanting to get um, will come with, like he points out, will come with team success. But I need him to do more of the things that don't show up in box scores um, moving forward and really just kind of taking the reins of this team more in that way, in that regard, maybe being more vocal as well. That would help because um, the they, they need it. They really need it if they're going to really kind of hang tough with the rest of the East. You know, Drew, you, you said something there like I feel like he has the physical attributes if he wanted to take over a game defensively. I've actually seen him like in certain situations. I don't know if you agree with with this or not, Drew Salim, but there's moments where you see him doing well on ball and then it, it just it comes in waves like it's not consistent. I feel like most of his defensive hiccups happen when he's off ball, you know, like he it's it's there it's just how can he extract that consistently and that's sometimes like the last layer in a superstars game or in a stars game is to get to that level where you're contributing consistently on the defensive end of the floor no 100 percent. like i said you know he he needs less lapses on the defensive end it's more so the the on ball stuff he tends to be fine like he he can keep he can stay in front of anyone. Like he's so quick and athletic and laterally and moving things like that. There's, that's not really a problem for him. Um, it's just about like that off ball stuff and him getting lost 
Um, like I say, he ball watches. That's that, that's what happens. He ball watches. You watch a lot of the defensive possessions that go bad for Zach. He's ending ends up like looking at what's ha- where the ball is going, and then he just forgets his man. That's really what it comes down to. Um, and then he forgets to either rotate over, or his man just cuts back to cuts him. Or um, there, there's a couple of plays I remember. One particular play against two put in a row actually against the Mets, like he was he was on Joe Harris, and Zach just you know with I think maybe Harden or KD he was just kind of ball watching them, and and Joe Harris was in the corner and that's what Zach was defending and then Joe Harris then drifted off into the elbow three and he was wide open and Zach just didn't pay attention and then. Um, or it might be the reverse. It was on the elbow, and then he just drifted into the corner, and Zach just wasn't paying attention, and then ended up being op- two open threes back to back for you know Joe Harris. And that's just dude, you can't do that. You can't just lose your man like that. Um, stuff like that. It just kind of just being more attentive, and and we'll see if that you know he sees he he's always seemed to be focused and wanting to improve in that regard. Like I said, he has, he really has. Like we see him make the proper rotations and be active. Uh, like there's like you rewatch games. It's like, Oh, look at that great rotation, Zach. That was perfect. That's amazing. That we see it. We know he can do it. It's just about the consistency. Well, and, and to Drew's point, like if, if he does take that step, it would be a big deal with, with Lonzo ball being out to start this season and, and kind of add that layer of defense to the to that starting unit um, from one star to another. I, I want to get to some talk about DeMar DeRozan here because you know he came out of the gate last year so strong and had such a an incredible season an all NBA season and all star caliber season putting up, you know, 27, um, well, almost 28 points per game last year. Um, are you anticipating a bit of a drop off? Um, I, I know I'm personally thinking that he could take a little bit of a step back, but are, are you sensing that that could happen this season? And, you know, will it be steep or will it be smaller? Will he stay equally as good as last year? So here's what I want to say. I don't think DeMar is going to regress as a player. What'll happen is you probably will see his numbers go down just because the usage is not going to be there. He's not going to have as many shots that he's going to take. They're, like he's like again, we've talked about the offense and what they're trying to do, getting a more free flowing offense, more ball movement. So that's right away is going to be less volume for Demar to take off. Is he also going to get as lucky as he did last season with those late game winners? Probably not. I mean, I think the Wizards one was more skilled. And if anything, but that Indiana Pacers game when it was absolute luck, like he, he forgot, he lost track of time and then he heaved it on one foot and then went in. That's 100% lucky shot. Um, I mean, 90% lucky. There's obviously some skill involved there. But yeah, I, I don't expect him to be as lucky in that regards, but I do, I do expect basically the same that mid range assassin. Like he, I, I, I've, I've, I've harped on this multiple times, but if you look at his mid-range game since he, like the last season with the Raptors and then the last, and then the season with the, with the Spurs, he legitimately got better in the mid-range. Like that mid-range was, got deadly. And last season, the only difference was his volume went up. 
Um, it wasn't, and that's why, and everyone thought like, oh man, he's, he, he's just having a, this, you know, this insane season that, you know, he's never done before. And granted, like I said, the volume wise, he's never done it before. I felt like that mid-range game, the the work that he was doing, he was doing that the prior seasons. It's just people weren't paying attention. Um, so like, yeah, I don't I don't think he'll necessarily if that makes sense, like I don't think he's gonna regress as a player. I just think the numbers will be like down because he's just not gonna get as many shot opportunities that, that he did last season. And we should hope so he doesn't because, like, we need to make sure Zach's healthy all season. We need to make sure Booch is getting involved. We need to make sure that Pat's also involved somehow, you know, so that we're not only relying on on Iso Demar to to win us games every fourth quarter. Everybody's job is made that much tougher with Alonzo Ball being out. Um, I think he was deemed to be, or he's going to be reevaluated in four to six weeks from the date of his, his surgery. Four weeks, I think, will be sometime later this month, six weeks closer to mid-November. That being said, I would assume he's going to be the starting point guard in his place for now. How are you feeling about him taking over or retaking that role over because he had it uh, last season as well? But um, where are you seeing this team in terms of how they perform without Lonzo? Yeah, you know, it's so you're not going to get one player to replace Lonzo. Obviously, Io is going to be in the equation of multiple players uh, combined that can kind of do things that Lonzo does and maybe individually do little things here to add up to kind of replacing Lonzo, if you will. Uh, and not necessarily replace him, but just do enough where you're you're not missing that void as much as you would if, you know, if you didn't have these other guys. So Io obviously with his defense, uh, that's a major part. Um, he can't handle a ball a little bit. I mean, that's still a working problem. But last season, I think you saw there was, there were times you can argue that he was our best second um, half court ball handler behind DeMar. Um, I think if you, if you go back to the, that OKC game, where they had that collapse in the fourth uh, when Io fouled out, like you had the ball in like Zach's hand and all these other guys who were just like very careless with the ball and turning it over, just doing silly things. Um, Io was really good in that half court, like handling the ball and obviously he puts a pressure on the rim uh, and the, especially in the pick and roll scenarios. Um, so yeah, stuff like that Io can do. Obviously, Kobe as well getting involved with the shooting. That's going to be major. Kobe's going to have to um, be more consistent. I mean, he is a good three point shooter. Um, last season, even even with the way he ended last season, going on that cold streak, he still shot thirty eight percent on pretty good volume, right? Uh, so it kind of shows you like Kobe is capable of being a forty percent three point shooter if he can just get a little more consistent. Um, and yeah, stuff like that. And Goran obviously is gonna be involved. I mean, I don't I'm I'm hoping that 20 promise of 20 minutes was this nonsense and he'll be just used like what we need him to be used as, maybe getting 10, 15 minutes here or there just to be that ball handler in the second unit and 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 then doing things like that, uh pushing the pace. Obviously, Caruso is gonna be involved, it's gonna be a major part. He's he's the best, he's one of the best point of attack defenders in the league in general. 
So, you know, you're going to have to utilize Caruso in, in multiple ways. But getting back to Io, like, you've seen growth, I feel like, in, in this preseason. Like, you're seeing a shooting growth. I feel like, like he's cleaned up his shot. It's a little, a little quicker. He doesn't have that hitch that he did before. Release is smoother. Um, if he can improve his three ball, that's going to be huge. Um, because he's going to get those open opportunities. People are going to let him shoot it until, you know, until he they until he proves that, you know, you need to defend me. Um, so he's going to get a lot of open opportunities there. I think you're seeing the maturity in his defense to him understanding the game. Um, against the Raptors, there was uh, they're defending the Spain pick and roll. Um, and that 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 play is ridiculously hard to defend. And last season he had a he couldn't he had issues defending it and he got lost and obviously the the team was able to uh you know score off of off of uh, off of utilize that play but this season this preseason the raptors tried running that and you saw him essentially anchor the defense at that point get vocal he directed pat where to go because he saw what was happening and then it ended up being a long, tougher shot for the Raptors as opposed to what they were trying to essentially do and get an easier bucket out of it. So you've seen that little maturity out of him. Um, like if you if you didn't go back to watch the film, you probably would have missed it because it didn't show up in the stat sheet. Like it wasn't like a steal or anything like that. But it's just annoying nuances about being more vocal out there on the defensive end. And being a better communicator and understanding what's you know what you're looking at, those are the things that I that I'm really looking at. Like like I said, if you can become that better shooter, consistently improve on that defensive side, we're we're going to be just fine. And all these other guys are going to fill in as well to help fill that void that Lonzo, you know, that we have with Lonzo being out, the void we have with Lonzo being out. You know, you covered something that I was going to bring up regarding IO. So I'll, I'll get to really the, the bench, like with this new look bench, you had Andre Drummond, um, you had Goran Dragic, as you mentioned. Um, and really, I think with just people being healthy, you might see Alex Caruso more consistently coming off the bench this year, Javante Green, um, you know, back with the team. So I, what do you think about this new look bench? Do you think it could actually end up being a strength of this Bulls team? Or do you think that, um, you know, it's, there's still some, some flaws to just, um, you know, overall performance this season. So I think the bench is better this season. than It was last season. That doesn't mean necessarily that they might've done enough. It'll be interesting to see what happens. So I, I did, while I I was one of the few I was one of the people that I I was disappointed in the Bulls offseason. I felt like they should have done more. It was unfortunate that they weren't willing to be able to spend the full mid level exception, and really add a one good quality piece as opposed to trying to split that up into smaller. And they didn't end up using the mid level at all, mid level exception at all, because obviously when they tried to get. Uh, Gallinari, and I guess that turned out to be okay because Gallinari's out because uh, he tore his ACL. But uh, and not to not to make light of that, but I just kind of like you know they dodged a bullet in a sense um, with with signing Gallinari and him being you know out for the season essentially. But yeah, you know I, the 
I, I feel like what they did end up doing, um, while it is an upgrade, we'll see if it's enough. So with Drummond, I did I did like to Drummond signing on its own, like not to say it was a bad signing because I feel like he's gonna provide the things that we needed Tristan Thompson to provide, just getting on the boards, um, you know, finishing around the basket when when he gets a hands off handoffs and a lot of those alley oop opportunities, things like that, just you know do those different things. Now, I don't expect him to be that three-point sniper that he was showing to be in the, in the preseason. That I don't know where that came from. Um, apparently, he's going to shoot it when he's open. I, I'm hoping he doesn't shoot it too much, man. Like, let, let's relax there a little bit, big guy. I don't, I don't know if I want you taking this many threes. Um, but if he can play within himself, like, I know he has kind of a reputation of trying to do too much out of his own game. Um, and that's when the headaches happened. Like, I think you saw one possession when he was trying to do a little too much and then, like, threw the ball out of bounds because he's trying to get fancy with passing and things like that. If he can if he can kind of clean that stuff out of his game, um, I think that'll be fine. Goran, for me, the sign was, okay, can he be better than Troy Brown Jr. and Matt Thomas? And I think that's a yes. Um, I think he can provide more than those guys did. Uh, because, like I said, just being that ball handler and, and getting the team's offense running, that's a baseline. And sh- shooting is a little inconsistent now. If he can kind of hit some shots, that's good too. But if he can give us, like I said, I'm hoping like they, that they give, give him like 10, 15 minutes a game. I'm going to be kind of mad if he's taking minutes away from Kobe and Io. Like if, they, if he gets into like 20-plus minute territory, I'm like, oh, what's going on here, guys? Billy, come on, man. What, what, why are you giving this guy this many minutes? I don't know if he can rely on Goron at this point in his career for that many minutes every game. Um, so, yeah, the, I think the depth to answer long, long-winded answer there, but like I think they did improve their depth. Is it enough? We'll find out. And the, you know, the other thing, I'll, it's I, I, to kind of play devil ad, devil's advocate on myself here a little bit, but I was thinking about like you know every offseason. Outside of last offseason, I remember the offseason before when when he signed when AK signed Garrett Temple, and everyone was like, "What the hell? What we signed? That's it? That's all we did? Garrett Temple? What's he gonna do?" And then Garrett Temple being ended up being a really valuable player for us. He ended up being like one of our best defensive players, and he was such a vital part of the team. And when when he got injured, he was missing. He was out. It's, man, we missed Garrett Temple. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that's what ends up happening. Like these, you know, a lot of Bulls fans, including myself, were underwhelmed with these two additions, um, thinking that we needed to do more. Not that they hated the additions, but they just felt like they needed to do more. And maybe we'll, we'll be like, you know what, AK will prove again. Say, like, shut your asses up. You didn't know what you're talking about. I made the right to signings. And, and maybe that's what it'll turn up to be here too. Like it'll be that same situation. Like he just he made the right signings, and it is what it is. Before Drew gets to his question, I I don't know why it would just be freaking hysterical if AK just got on the mic and said, "Just shut your ass up." Just yeah. like all the chirping, you yeah, you you fake GMs on on Twitter. Get out of it's, here. It's the fact that he has like he has that stone cold kind of Eastern European accent too. It would right, just be right. so fucking funny if he did that. And the shadow. I think it was wasn't it like uh, Stacy. He said something about like when he was on the uh, sideline on the with with Stacy and Adam. He talked about the man in the shadows. Or something yeah. like that. And, <laughs> 
<laughs> just you um, know, funny aside, he actually is a big fan of house music. Arturis Kerner show. Yeah, was like yeah. in, in I, his first. I think that's a European thing. I think that's a European thing in yeah. general. Uh, I, I think a lot of Europeans are. I, it's kind of wild. Like I don't know how you sit there and listen to house music all day. That's like, <laughs> like I can't, I can't imagine. Like, like you just you know driving in your car and listen to house music. It's fun, not man. That's just <laughs> that's wild music to just to kind of relax and chill to. But okay, mm-hmm. if if that's your thing, that's your thing. I guess whatever helps. AK man. I guess so. <laughs> One guy you didn't mention coming off that bench, Salim, is is Dalen Terry. Now, I don't, oh, right. oh, Dalen. I, I don't know. I if love Dalen. Gets, I don't know if him getting on the court would be a good sign or a bad sign. But do you think he cracks the rotation this season? Oh, it'll be interesting. I, I'm a Dalen believer. I love Dalen. I don't know if you've noticed uh, me tweeting about Dalen, but I love that kid. I love everything about him. At the moment from summer league. Uh, the chip on his shoulder. He has that Jimmy Butler in him. Like that just like he knows he's good. He talks shit. Like I love the I love the right away he was he was talking shit to Pat in practice. I was like, all right, go on. Yeah, do it. Like <laughs> like I don't I don't like the humble stuff, right? I'm a I'm a guy that I love guys that are like vocal and just talk a lot of shit and you know get in guys' faces and and he's that he's that guy that provides energy too, right? He he brings his motor is at like 200%. Like the, he's, he's running the moment he's coming off the bench, right? He's not, he's not, he's not walking into on the court. He's running and he doesn't stop going until, you know, he's subbed out. So it's going to be interesting. Like I look at if he can steal someone's minutes and again, I, I like Kobe. I like what he can bring to the team, but I still don't know what his, what the front office plan with him is long term like will they trade him at, at some point this season before the d- trade deadline um maybe he could steal kobe's minutes a little bit um maybe he could steal goron's minutes if he does get into rotation um i think there's a possibility and i don't think it'll be a negative i think he'll just be because dalen just fought his way in just the way i owed it last season you know um, especially with lonzo being out you know we do need we do need more wings, yeah. like guys with size on the court. That's just the reality, length and size. And Dalen has the length, right? He's six seven, long as arm, long ass arms. So I mean, there is a possibility that he gets an opportunity, and that if that opportunity happens, he he's like one of those guys that just give me that opportunity, and I'm gonna take it, and I'm gonna run with it. So. There, there is a scenario that he, he he steals minutes from somebody, and I don't think that necessarily there'll be a bad thing. It'll be because, like, just the way Io last season got an opportunity and just, you know, ran with it and, and, and ended up making it like, you know what, Billy, you're not taking me out of this rotation. Yeah, he's, he's just, like you said, it's, it's not even just his length, his athleticism, his, his ability to put pressure on the rim, his defense, just that attitude. I feel like this team right. needs – they need that joke. So even if it's just him getting kind of spot minutes and coming in and giving them that shot in the arm here and there, especially against some of these um, contenders out east. Right. Now, physically, I'm not sure how he'll stand up against some of these guys, but he's right. going to he's no, you know he's going to go out there and compete. And I think this team right. is that for sure. Yeah, I don't know if he'll be able to put him on at anyone bulky. Um, he's too skinny right now. He needs to probably straighten his core a little bit, and that'll come with time. Um, but 
Yeah, and and I feel like I also want to add that he has a really good feel for the game too. Like he his instinct instinctually the way he plays, um, like just seeing him like when he got the ball, he knows immediately to push on the break and the the passes that he makes, like the, his vision, um, like he that that's Lonzo esque in a way, right? Um, Lonzo is always pushing the pace when he gets the ball off the board, and the way he Lonzo can push the ball ahead and pass the ball ahead. That's the qualities that Dalen has. Uh, that's not a lot of guys have in this league, right? That's, that's a rare quality. Um, and having that vision, being able to make, um, do make those types of passes that, that Lonzo does that Dalen has that in him. And the shooting is what's going to really be back on him for his career. I do feel like he can become a, a, a good catch and shoot guy because I think we're like, I don't see that issue with his form. It's just about volume and repetition for him. Um, I know he hit a couple of threes in preseason. We'll see if he can, you know, continue to develop that. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so, I think like AK got, you know, a steal in that 18th pick. I think he's going to be in this league for a long time. He's a good pick. Um, and like, like I definitely, there's other guys, like I was like very mad when Tyree Eason was taken off the board, but I'm, I'm a Dale and Terry believer. I'm, I'm all in on Dale and Terry. You know, we all thought there was a chance I would assume was going to end up with the Windy City Bulls last year and he ended up cracking the rotation pretty quickly. Right. So it's very possible Dale and Terry could do the exact same thing. And I'd, I'd love to see it too. Um, all right. As we, Get ready to spring you loose here, Salim. I'll, I'll ask you the obligatory prediction question. So what's the Bulls' win total this year, and where do you think they finish in the Eastern Conference? So I have them winning about 45, 46 games. Um, I think, like, the best-case scenario is probably, like, a fifth seed. Um, worst case is, I think, a play-in. I mean, there there is a chance that they could be a play-in team. Um, and We'll see. I mean, hoping that doesn't happen. I think a lot of that depends on health-wise. Um, if they can stay relatively healthy, I think they should be able to avoid the plan. But I'm, I have them about 45, 46 wins. And it could be more depending on internal uh, other internal development. I just feel like this team is too talented to end up being like some of these projections of 40 wins and like 38 wins and stuff like that. It's like, there's too much talent on the team. I get it that the East has gotten better. Um, I get that, but I just feel like you have too much talent on this roster for it to be that bad. Like, granted, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I don't, I'm, I'm not saying they're going to be like better than last season or as good as last season, the way they started out. Um, and they maybe they'll never sniff the top three in the East. Like last season, obviously they had the best record for a good amount of time. Um, but I, I think they'll, I think maybe you'll see more consistency as opposed to like the hot and cold ride that they had. Um, especially if they can stay relatively healthy. Like I said, keep Zach in the lineup, Caruso in the lineup. Um, they don't miss like long gaps, and they're not trying to you know work, fight through an injury and things like that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's essentially what I see, like the 45, 46 season and fifth seed. And we'll see, we'll see what happens after that. Hey, so real quick, Salim, how many years is this now with you and Ed doing Bulls Gold podcast? Um, I think we're on season five now. Wow. I kind of, I'll kind of lose track because, so I think we, 
I want to say we started um, the last season of Hoiberg. Wow. So that's 1819. Yeah, I think that's when we started. So, um, and I remember, I remember texting Ed when Hoiberg got fired. I was like, and we were like just into that, starting that episode. Like he has, he had done six episodes on his own, and then I, he, I jumped out with him and just took off from there. But um, yeah, I think that was the first season that we we took over, and then I think. So that would be, this would be the fifth season then, right? If I'm, if I'm thinking, yeah. counting right, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we've been doing it for a little bit. It's been fun. I mean, we're we're not we're not the best, but I don't think we're the worst either. Uh, we're we're in the middle. We're I think we do a decent job. Um, <laughs> come on, man! All this Jimmy Butler talking. And, yeah, come on. Like Too you humble. Guys, you, you guys do a fantastic job, man. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Definitely, I appreciate that. Before you leave, any advice for Drew and I? Now that uh, you know we we're co-hosts. I mean, you and and Ed have been doing it for a while. Like, you got any advice for us? Man, just keep doing it. Keep keep getting on the mic as much as you can, and. Um, Obviously, I think Matt. To be honest, like you come up with some brilliant ideas for the show. So, like, I don't know if you need advice for me. Like, the, some of the stuff that you do, and I, it's surprising that more people haven't caught on. This is like the ideas that you have. It's it's really unique and and nice because there's like a hundred Bulls podcasts. There's like a hundred, and like the the content that you create for it, I feel like like the the ideas that you you bring on and the little round table stuff that you do that's a little different than a lot of the other podcasts end up doing so to me you know like i feel like you, you you guys are good you guys are both intelligent bulls fans um just keep like i said keep rocking and don't be afraid to uh to reach out to people either like that's what i'd like some of the guests that we've got on bulls go they're just me asking like it's not like I knew them beforehand. I just asked them and it worked out. So, yeah. Well, your your check's in the mail. Thank you. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, buddy. Always appreciate you. Ha- always appreciate having you on and, and hearing your insight. And here's to a good season. I hope your prediction's right. I yeah. hope so. I hope so. Are you guys a little more down on the team than me uh, for record-wise? Drew's been, Drew's been pretty positive. I haven't really seen Matt. <laughs> well i'm saving it i'm saving it for this episode so you'll just have to tune in and listen to right. to the over under segment Salim. all right fair enough fair enough all right guys i will uh i will head out and i will talk to you guys next time all right thanks Salim. all right drew yeah it's always good to talk with with Salim. he's always been one of my favorites to have on the pod so um how was your first Salim experience on the mic just, just what I thought it would be, man. Just having, you know, interact with him fairly often on on Twitter, seeing his tweets and kind of listening to him on on the podcast and knowing where his brain is. But a little, a little more humble than I would take a Jimmy Butler fan. That was surprising. Him, him and Ed put on a hell of a, a hell of a show for Bulls Nation. I think he he deserves to pat himself on the back uh, a little harder than he did. Yep. Oh, for sure. Yeah, he needs to. He needs to embrace the personalities that he follows the most, you know? Um, one thing I got to say, I got to give a shout out to, to Ed, Edward Schuler. That guy's got a voice that is smooth as butter. Man. 
I love yes, it. He does. Yes, he does. It's like you hear it, it just makes you stand up a little taller, perk your ears up a little bit mm-hmm. more. He definitely has that voice for sure. He's like if Swag had a voice, it would be his voice. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to definitely get into like we were teasing with uh with Salim. I want to get into these over-unders. This is something that um I've been doing with with guests in the previous years of the Rebuildable podcast. Really looking forward to doing this with you, Drew. So let's get to our rebuildable over-unders for the 2022-2023 season. All right, so let's start with kind of the man of the hour, Mr. Patrick Williams, who news came down Tuesday that he will be starting Wednesday against the Miami Heat at Power Forward. Matt, what say you about the number of starts he gets? Are we going over or under 40 starts with Mr. Patrick Williams? I am going to take the over. And I think it could be more due to just, you know, potential injury, managing, you know, the load, I think it's going to be over, but not by that much. So I'll go over, and the number that keeps popping into my head is 50. I'm going to go with 50. I think load management-wise and possibly a point in the season where Billy might try to jiggle the lineups up a little bit, but I'll go with I'll go with the over. I think I'm going to go under. Ooh. Under. And I think the reason being is... I don't expect Lonzo Ball to return until after the All-Star break. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't see that happening. Because of that, I think the Bulls need to to speed teams up to make sure they get out and transition um, as often as possible, Um, play more of a free-flowing offense where guys are cutting and just moving without the ball without hesitation. I think Javante Green gets more starts uh, this season. If I had to put a number to it, I don't know. I'll throw 25 out there. Ooh. All right. I like it. Right off the bat, we're going up. Oh, I like it. Um, <laughs> you mentioned Lonzo Ball. I'll, I'll give you this one. Lonzo Ball games played over or under 28 and a half. So I may have the number wrong, but I'm going under. I'm going under because, like I said, I don't think he'll – I don't think he comes back. I don't think they're going to rush him back. Um so I see him coming back into the, into the fold after the All Star break, and if my if I was right, I think that's something like 23 games um, after the All Star break that'd be left to play. So I'm giving him those 23. Hmm, very, very interesting. I think I'm I'm also gonna go under. I think I think you're in the sweet spot there. I think right around 20 ish. I could see them maybe easing him back in off the bench even for a little bit, but I'll I'll go I'll go with you on that. I'll go under. Okay. DeMar DeRozan averaged the fifth most points per game last season in the NBA. I believe he was at 27 and a half. This season, is he going over or under 26 and a half points per game? Cool. I agree with Salim on this one. I think that just because of volume and getting other people involved in the flow of the offense, I think his points per game totals go down. Um, I'll go under 26 and a half this season. 
Okay, I'm gonna agree with you. I think that's back to back now, right? Yeah, this is not good. No, I'm, just <laughs> I'm not gonna go too much on the 20, 26 and a half. I'm gonna go 25 for all okay. the reasons you suggested. I, I'm, I'm banking on Zach, you know, staying healthy and playing just as much of a role in the team's success as he did last season before he got injured and the offense moving a little bit better and not getting so stagnant with DeMar having to take on the, the lion's share of um, the offense in a half court. All right. Um, how about this? Um, Io DeSumo starts. I have the over under at 41 and a half. You going over or under on that, Drew? I'm going over. I'm going over. Like I said, I think Lonzo Ball, you're not going to see him until February. So I'm giving I'm giving Mr. Basumu over on the 41 and a half games that he starts. All right. I'm actually going to go under. And the reason I'm going to go under is just playing into the odds. Could there be moments where he's out in certain stretches? And if that happens, do we see some... You know, Goran Dragic during that stretch and and maybe, you know, they ride his streaky hot hand for a little bit and then go back to Io. So I'm actually going to go with with under 41 and a half. I don't think by that much. I think it'll be in like the upper 30s, but I could see maybe some stretches where Goran or even, you know, Alex Caruso gets some some time in the starting lineup. Okay, I'm not mad at that. I think that's smart to factor that in. All right, uh, next up, Zach Levine, points per game. We have him at 24 and a half. You going over or under 24, 24 and a half points for Zach this season? Um, oh, that's tricky. <laughs> a push? No. Um, I mean, you could. You know what? Fuck it. I'll go over. Over very <laughs> slightly. I think he'll, he'll be just under 25, maybe like 24.9. I'll go slightly over. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm gonna go over as well. I'm gonna say, let's go, let's go a full point over. Let's say 25.5. I like it. 25.5. That's a nice round scoring average, and I think that would be fine. Like if he's averaging 25.5, and and Demar's got, you know, I don't know, 24 and a half, and Vooch has 17, and it's an efficient 17. Like I'll take that in a heartbeat if we got that going on with the Bulls next year. Yeah. Um, speaking of Vooch, three-point field goal percentages over or under 34.5% for Vooch. Now, keep in mind, last year he shot 31.4 and the years before it was 40.6 and 38.8 respectively. So, again, he had a rough year last year, but 34.5 this year, over or under that? Going over, I'm going 36.8 for Vucevic from downtown. I think that he's he's he seems to be in a in a, in a like like Celine talked about. He's, he's in, he seems to be more comfortable in the offense, um, more willing to get down in the post and kind of work his way from inside out. And Billy Donovan seems like he wants to kind of feed into that style of play as well. So I don't think he's going to be launching them quite as frequently, um, but I think he'll be in better, in a better rhythm when he does put them up. Hmm. I, man, this is tough. I actually, I've been wavering back and forth on this one. 
Ah, okay. I'll just I, I'm going to side with you on this. I'm going to go over also. <laughs> and part of me was like, well, maybe it'll be 34%, but maybe just off by, you know, a tenth of a percent. Screw it. I'll, I'll just say over too. We'll, we'll go on that. I want to believe it's so bad. Um, and I, I do think he's like you pointed out this preseason. He looked a lot more efficient. He looks a lot more confident. I think that we're going to see better and more efficient three-point shooting from Booch this year. So I'll take the over. Here we go. And we got next up Dalen Terry, everybody's favorite rookie. Um, big questions as to whether or not he's going to actually crack this rotation and what it might take for him to do so. Over or under 15 and a half DNPs for Dalen Terry this season. I... I'm going to be bold and say under. I have a feeling. I have a feeling that he is going to muscle his way into this rotation some way, somehow. I feel like a player like that could find his way into a Billy Donovan rotation. As we were saying earlier, Io DeSumo found his way into the rotation, come hell or high water. And he was supposed to be with the Windy City Bulls last year. That's what we all thought. But... There he was playing key minutes, and he was in the rotation. And I think Dalen Terry is going to do it. I think early in the season, you know, I, I think the number that I could see is maybe 10 DNPs before he starts making waves, maybe in practice and cracking the rotation. I'm probably going to be dead wrong, but <laughs> I, I will go. I'll go under. So I'm going to go over. Okay. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm kind of feeding into wishful thinking that Kobe White plays well enough to the point where Dalen Terry is not stealing his minutes because I feel like Kobe White is is, is um, the player who's more most susceptible to that happening. Um, you know, we'll we'll see, but I, I think maybe it'll be more like 2025 DNPs for for uh, Dalen Terry this season. Yeah, and, and just for the record, it doesn't mean I'm coming at this with an educated guess at all. But <laughs> All right. Um, how about this? Kobe White games played for the Bulls. So that's the key there. Kobe White games played for the Bulls. Kind of like what Celine was talking about and kind of hinted to about being traded potentially. Um, 35, over and over or under 35. Man, this might be the hardest question on here because if he's playing well, you know, he's he's boosting his trade value, but he's also making a case to to stay with his team, especially if my spidey senses are correct with Lonzo Ball not getting back till February. But if he's playing poorly, his trade value goes down and you might still want to push him uh, onto this trading block. Ooh, okay. I'm going to base this one solely off of my prediction with Lonzo Ball earlier. So I'm going to say he plays over 35 games for the Bulls because they're going to need um, that guard rotation that they have in place right now. I'm going to agree with you and say the over on this too. And I do think he has a bit of a bounce back because there is no pressure on him whatsoever. I feel like I almost completely forgot about Kobe White entering the preseason. I almost like, I'm not even joking first preseason game I watched I looked and went oh yeah that's right Kobe White's still on this team like you know you just I think the pressure might be off enough where he's playing with house money and you know with Lonzo out of the lineup they might actually need him here so um I'm with you I'll go over on that 
Okay. All right. Last one. Regular season win total. We set the bar at 42 and a half. Where are the Bulls? Are they going over or under on 42 and a half wins this season, man? I got the over. And I'm kind of surprised I'm saying that because I've been kind of, I wouldn't say bitching, but I've been a little more on the pessimistic side this offseason talking with you about this team. But I think as I look ahead and I see what I've seen this preseason in terms of efficiency from Booch, I, I do think we're going to see some improvement from Patrick Williams, even if it's just being a key defensive cog and putting up good solid minutes with the second unit like even in, in the staggered scenario right where he might have more opportunities offensively with the second unit I know he's starting but I just have a sense that you know what maybe if if everything is going well this team could catch some of that wave they had early last season um, I think the win total that's kind of coming into my head is around 44 and I think that you know I, I don't know where that maybe gets them in the Eastern Conference we can talk about that a little later but um, I'll go over I'll go over at 44 man it must be a full moon because we have we have traded we have traded places a little bit um, I've been bullish on the Bulls I think more so than some other people that I'm familiar with but mm-hmm. I'm going. I'm going under. I'm going 42. Okay. 42 wins, um, which is way under where when it, when the regular season schedule first came out. I think I when I went through it, I ended up like at 48 wins. But between now and then, you can call me on a bad night for <laughs> Wolves win loss predictions. But um, I just think not having the type of catalyst that Lonzo Ball is for them. Um, Zach Levine maybe having to be injury managed throughout the season. Um, the uns- uncertainty with the power forward spot. The uncertainty with Kobe White and his ability to stay consistent. I think that all will play into the Bulls kind of taking a step back win-loss-wise from, from last season. Like, a, a lot still needs to go right for this team um, for them to even match last season's win total. And that's not that's not to say that these other teams are just locks um, to, to to have great seasons that they, and that they don't also need certain things to fall their way. But it's just that the Bulls don't have a Giannis. They don't have a Joel Embiid, you know, um, for as good as for as great, I should say, scores as Levine and, and DeMar DeRozan are, they're still, you know, at least a tier under the kind of the superstars in the Eastern Conference. Um, and it's just kind of up against it, I think, this season. At least that's where I am uh, with it tonight. I hope I'm wrong. I mean, we, we both kind of expressed it all off season and I, I definitely see that, and you know, I, I I know for me, the number forty-four has been in my head for really the past month or so. Patrick Williams or win total? Win total. <laughs> hey oh, um, but I may, maybe hey maybe it's a prophecy. If I can steal something from another Bulls podcaster who loves to throw hey. out prophecies, um, I, I think that 
last year you saw in the Eastern Conference how tight the margins were for win totals. And even them being 44, it's a two-win drop from where they were last season, and that was, you know, playing level team at 44. Um, So... That's two DeMar DeRozan game winners. Exactly. So it's almost like, in a way, I'm, I'm just kind of removing that that good luck they had. And I still think they'll be a good team. It's, you know, honestly, it's all going to come down to how they do against those top teams in the, in the East, right? So let me just real quick, before we get into where they finish in the East and, you know, kind of put a bow on the conversation here, I'll, I'll just recap these over-unders. So we have Patrick Williams, 40 starts. I have the over. Drew has the under. Lonzo Ball games played at 28 and a half. We both have the under on that. DeMar DeRozan points per game at 26 and a half. We both have the under. Uh, Io DeSumo starts at 41 and a half. I have the under. Drew has the over. Zach Levine points per game, 24 and a half. We both have the over on that. Nikola Vucevic, three-point field goal percentage, 34 and a half. Drew and I both have the over. Dalen Terry, DNP's 15 and a half. I have the under. Drew has the over. I'm already regretting that. <laughs> Kobe White games played for the Bulls, 35. We both have the over. And regular season win total, 42 and a half. I have the over. I said 44. Drew has the under. He says 42. So, Drew, where do you think with that win total, the Bulls finish in the Eastern Conference in the 2023 season? I, I hate to say it, but I, I think they, they fall into the play-in. Um, maybe, you know, seven or eight, somewhere in that, in that range there. Um, I just think that, as I said earlier, there's just – a lot that has to go right for this team. I think um, they still need, need to prove that they can beat the upper echelon teams in the East. They get a chance right off the bat Wednesday night going against the number one seed from last season in the Miami Heat. Um, they're going to play the Celtics and the Philadelphia 76ers, I think, within the next seven to ten days, somewhere in their range. Um, matter of fact, they played the Celtics, I think, three times in the first month and a half or so. So, mm-hmm. um, the, the challenges are going to be there. The schedule is is, is pretty tough. Um, there's, there's, they're going to need to to skate uphill a little bit this season, and you know, I just I just don't see them cracking that strict playoff rotation. I think they're going to fall into the play in. I I got them in kind of that same scenario. I got them in the play in at number seven. I think that's. I'm almost thinking like they're going to trade spaces with the Brooklyn Nets. I think that's the team that slides into the top six and the Bulls end up into that playing scenario. Um, you know, it's it's interesting, like when the Lonzo Ball news came down officially, like we kind of all sensed something was, was going to be announced or something was going to happen. And when it did happen, when they announced that he was going to be out, I think it was kind of like that, confirmation for me that okay well it is going to be a little bit trickier i do think they will catch their stride a little bit later when the schedule kind of gets easier 
after the new year. Cause you're right. It, it's kind of a grind out of the gate where last year, it seemed like there was a little bit more wiggle room and breathing room. And I think they rode that wave. It is much more of a, a meat grinder to start the year. So yeah, I'm with you. I, I got them in the playing area and I got them at seven seed, but look, I mean, that's also just it's the lay of the land. The Eastern conference has become the power conference in the NBA. So I want to provide some level of optimism coming out of the gate in the season preview, but <laughs> yeah, it's interesting how we kind of traded places uh, <laughs> in our outlooks. Well, I think you've, you've been a, a proponent of Lonzo Ball's importance to this team. And like, I wonder, cause it's been a while since we've chatted about this. Has it kind of lined with Lonzo Ball not being here at the start of the season or, or, probably being gone for a significant amount of time. Is that what's kind of got you on kind of shaky ground about the overall outlook of this team this season? I think so. Just it, it, it's that and just taking a, a zoomed out view of this team in relationship to the rest of the Eastern Conference and, um, you know, what needs to happen for this team to be successful and every team needs a, a stroke of luck or two, but um, again, I hope I'm wrong. It's just, it's just, man, I just wish we could see this team healthy. That's really what it is, man. I just really want to see this team healthy. I wish that we had more of an answer for who Patrick Williams is and, and what role best serves him. Again, it's still very early. Um, He's only played 88 career regular season games, but I just I, I want to see more. And you know, again, hopefully I'm I'm wrong with my prediction. I'd be happy to be wrong. Hopefully we're both wrong and Salim is on to something and, and the Bulls do end up in the top five. I mean, I would freaking love that. And I think it would give us a little extra juice this season and you know, even into the off season where we want to continue to see this team take steps up and, and get to full-blown title contention because I think you and I would both agree that they're not quite there yet they're definitely a fun playoff caliber team but you know the next steps title contention and you know building on a season like last year and and maybe even taking another step you know could help you get to title contention sooner so I, I hope I hope we're wrong and I hope Salim's right yeah I mean, I'm going to have – you and I are going to have fun no matter what. I already know that. 100%. So, so <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I know that. We're going to have fun, and I, I can't wait to getting to more breakdowns with actual games going on. I think it's going to be a lot of fun with you this year to talk about what's going on with the team on a week-to-week basis, dive into some of that breaking news and certain scenarios happening with the team. Bulls Nation, if you want to follow us, follow the channel – at rebuild underscore a underscore bull on Twitter. You can follow me at mgenteel88. And Drew is at look what Drew did on Twitter. Um, again, subscribe to all the, the major places you listen and stream your podcasts Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play. We're available on all of them. And, you know, definitely a subscription will get you the latest episodes. So before we wrap it up, Drew, any. Final thoughts going into the season, other than we're both kind of eh, on where they might finish in the East, but 
Any other final thoughts before we wrap it up? No, just, you know, despite where my own expectations might lie or, or the national media is like, this is still setting up to be a very interesting season. You got guys who are coming up on contract years. Patrick Williams is extension eligible next summer. So um, a lot of questions that need to be answered and things that, you know, can bleed into next year and the year after that. So there's a lot to still look forward to. Um, a lot of things to still take stock of. So I'm just, I'm ready for, I'm ready to see who, who makes improvements, who's still kind of waiting in the water a little bit. Um, and even Zach Levine, man, just seeing where he can take his game, if he's able to take it even just another half level up from where, where he was uh, last season. Can't wait to see how it all begins in Miami. So with that, along with Drew Stevens, I'm Matt Gentile, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the Rebuildable Podcast. Be sure to check us out and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever else you stream your podcasts.